following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Hey, everybody, before we get going, could you please do the Forbes podcast a huge favor by filling out a less than five minute survey? Just go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. It's completely anonymous, and your responses will help us align appropriate advertisers with you, our listeners, so that we can be talking about things that are relevant to you. If you've if you filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we we still need you to do it again. Your efforts will help us stay free to download with minimal ads. Podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to fill out the survey. I, I would say I'm. Um um personally somewhat uneasy with personal wealth mm -hmm. um so i i just my my strategy is to just not think about it a lot so well if you if you you can if you want to like unload some just uh, i i will help you <laughs> with your burden if you want everyone in the room will take uh has their hands up all right yeah i gotta tell the listeners you did arrive here in a helicopter in front of forbes so i think you know it might be getting to your head it's not head true <laughs> hey everybody welcome to the forbes interview I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, we do in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs, billionaires, and influencers. And support for Forbes interview comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Great episode. Today we have Toby Lutke, who is the CEO and founder of Shopify, which is a $16 billion e-commerce software company. Toby, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So really quick, Shopify is a name and a business everyone knows, but give me the quick kind of rundown, really short, of what do you guys do? So we have about 600,000 merchants on the platform. We don't sell the products directly, but we help our customers and we help, we help the merchants who do sell those products. We are best known for people building online stores, but our customers also sell on Amazon and through different channels. And it's a, it's a pretty big mix of different businesses. So you're kind of like the digital backbone that helps entrepreneurs sell on the internet. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair to say. Almost all orders um, flow into uh, Shopify stores at some point. And uh, if you bought something online and it wasn't on Amazon um, and you liked the experience, it definitely was a Shopify store. So if I'm making like wooden chairs, amazing wooden chairs, by the way, I sign up for Shopify. What does Shopify do for me? Yeah, you, you're going to tell us about those wooden chairs. You upload some pictures. You're going to get a beautiful website that you can design and change. And if someone finds it or you place advertising or something like this, then um, um, people can put in their credit card and purchase it. And when you mail it out, we help you make a truck show up if that's what you want us to do to, to pick it up. It's all done for you just so that you can focus on building the business that you want. I love your entrepreneur story because this all started with 
you were what you wanted to sell snowboards. <laughs> yeah. Take me. Let's let's start in the beginning because I love these stories where you know it, some people think, oh, I have a great idea and it becomes a company, but it's amazing. Like many people, you evolved and pivoted and just kind of learned by doing. I'd love to hear how this got going. Yeah, sure. So this was, um, take you back to about 2004 there. Um, I just immigrated to, uh, to, to Canada for various reasons and I spent my you know winters up there like doing, doing snowboarding, L- loved it. And um, but I was looking for something to do and decided to build um, a business selling mm-hmm. snowboards. Um, and that was an in- incredible experience. Just sort of, I, I, I loved everything about it. I, I will always remember the moment when I had my first sale, where I was. You know, I, I remember everything about this day, uh, day. It was really a pure sort of entrepreneurial experience. Mm-hmm. The frustrating side of it well, was um, I really tried to make uh, every tool work that I could find on the market. I tried Yahoo stores and all these kind of things, which were available back then. And I couldn't figure out why the software for building online businesses was uh, in the state it was at. It was mm-hmm. really, really poor. It was uh, full of barriers. Um, and eventually, I fell back on my um, my sort of initial skill set because I'm, uh, my background is I'm a computer programmer. I apprenticed as a computer programmer in, um, in Germany. And so I, I decided to start programming and just build my own software along the way because it just, that was actually, like even though that required a mm-hmm. lot of long nights and, and so on, that ended up being less effort than trying to bend the software of the day to 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 what I was trying to accomplish. Yeah, because 2004 it doesn't seem that long ago, but it, it was. And then in computer age, it was so long ago. Like, were people so you built the website just for snowboards, and yeah. were you kind of dro- were you drop shipping them back then, or did you have like a, a basement full of snowboards? How did that kind of work? And were people buying was you know people used to go to you know ski shops, snowboard sh- shops, and buy the gear, but. Was it big demand at first buying these big expensive items online? Yeah, so I, I mean, it, it, um, what I had mostly was specialty snowboards. Um, I, you know, I was calling people who would then go into their garage to build the snowboards. It was a tiny cottage industry even back then, right? And um, yes, they would send me after they made ten, they would put them on a um, uh, on, on a ship, send me send them over, and okay. I would put them in my garage and sell them from there. If I could have been drop shipping back then, <laughs> I would have, yes. And so what was, give me a few things that were frustrating to you and what did you actually build to solve that problem yourself, for yourself? Yeah, so initially, even just getting started, so if you wanted to use the software, you talked to, you had to call a salesperson, you then had got a demo, like it took for, you essentially had to commit before you could even see the software and mm-hmm. just this process was already full of friction. Um Getting a payment gateway, I actually ended up having to um, post a $20,000 bond with a bank just because mm. I didn't have a credit history for them to allow me uh, to, to, to get a payment um, processing uh, system and so on. So in the end, I ended up opening half a year later than I initially uh, initially thought. And even in those cases... I had a vision for how I wanted to talk about the the products, or mm-hmm. vision might even be too big a term. I really just, um, to me, um, snowboarding is an experience. Um, I, I I look at a board, I, I figure out what is it good for, and then I do that thing with a board. And what I wanted to say on my website is, we we were trying these things on the hill, and we were then describe the way our day went, and just okay. sort of just taking people to um, with us on a journey to where this product really should, like where this board should go. And so um, just trying to um, customize these systems 
um, to to just even look good the way we wanted was impossible, mm-hmm. and so on. And all these things we changed. So if you if you go today and s- sign up for Shopify, it costs twenty nine dollars a month, and you are you're going to get a payment gateway. You're gonna no twenty no twenty thousand dollar bonds needed. No, no bonds needed. In fact, it's just. Um, what what the last 12 years what we've really done is i think just take every one of these sort of uh brick walls that people run into and and just try to flatten it right down just so that um you know more and more and more people can participate and i think that's been the success of a company and so you got all these tools going for this, your snowboard company when did you realize you know what we shouldn't be in the snowboard business we should be in the software business <laughs> well pretty much once it start started getting warm outside <laughs> Uh, it turns out people just uh, stop um, buying snowboards once once spring comes around. And um, I didn't know it got warm in Canada. I yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Snowy. <laughs> Luckily, it does. Um, um, after a while, I didn't quite believe it anymore either. But uh, it became sm- it became warm outside, and we had some of this conversation: should we sell skateboards in the summer mm-hmm. or surfboards, or you know, maybe should we double click on what we just learned about how hard it was to start online businesses yeah that's the that's the ski shop way they sell skis and snowboards in the winter and then in the summer they sell bikes and lawn furniture yeah. and it's perfect yeah, exactly. but how, how did you change your business and your plan going from okay we're selling physical boards to which is consumer to actually we need to go now and sell soft you went from basically a a b2c company to a b2b company in a way yeah how did you kind of pivot that and how did you first find your first um customers to start selling the software yeah so um w- what happened is um I- i'm not going to make it too technical but we we used a really in well i i i was the only programmer yeah. um i used the uh, this really interesting programming language called ruby and rails mm-hmm. um it uh, i was the first one to use it i knew the um person who um came up with it from a couple of things before we did before together um and you knew um, the, the the creator of it yeah yeah oh, wow. so i knew, knew david from uh, from way back and then um i um i i used it and built um snow devil in it which was a snowboard store and people sort of generally pointed at it as a legitimate other use of it uh, like mm-hmm. of a software um while building uh shopify then after we made this decision to go in this direction i was talking a lot about the process of using this technology how to how we were building a company and mm-hmm. just i was sort of documenting this so there was just a like a good deal of attention on a company because of that um and when we launched in 2006 we had a couple hundred people sign up on that day and frankly there's some retailers from from that initial day who were actually successfully selling mm-hmm. now, which is kind of cool how and you just how did it pick up traction then became a sort of word of mouth from there um it, it again it took a long time Shopify went through a lot of sort of distinct phases. One of them really was like there was a snowboard phase, but there was also about four years after that, uh, 2006 to 2010, where Shopify didn't really know was it a lifestyle business mm-hmm. or actually a growth company. And how does it work these days? In terms, you, you know, you, you have giant, you have giant clients like mm-hmm. publicly traded billion yeah. dollar customers, and then you have you know people like you said do maybe selling a shop at home or out of their garage or basement. What is how how do you kind of I guess how do you cater to both those people both yeah. those clients I should say so this is something we um, always thought should be possible right because um, again when I came to this market for the first time um, people told me with my even with my snowboards I should really get started selling on eBay mm-hmm. see if there's market and then I could buy this software for all this money and get my own service and all these kind of things 
Um, and then if all that works and I get over a couple million dollars of business, I talk to AIG or it just sort of, to me that always seemed like asking someone um, uh, to just, you know, rebuild their house every single time uh -huh. you, you want to make a change. And um, that didn't seem like a good idea. I personally love the um, really supporting the entrepreneurial process. I think this is really, to me, what I'm most um, sort of excited about, about what Shopify can mm -hmm. do. And so it was really, really important to say, um, let's not stray from why this software, why, frankly, why this company exists and, and enable entrepreneurs, but allow them to grow. And, mm -hmm. and really with them, um, they tell us, hey, this is what we need next. This is what we need for supporting the business. And then we figure out how we can solve this. And sometimes we do it in traditional ways. Sometimes we do it in very novel ways. And um, again, I think this is how great software is made. Like it very, um, it's, it's a big collaboration mm -hmm. with your customers over a prolonged period of time and with great insight into the market. And so now we, we have businesses all uh, of different sizes. And I think this has been amazing. You mentioned you you like kind of supporting the entrepreneur. What are some of the kind of most interesting or wackiest or just unlikely um, companies that you, you you've worked with? Whether it's a crazy founder or a crazy product, I'm sure you literally help sell everything in the world. Uh, it's pretty much everything at yeah. this point. Um, it's uh, it's it's definitely often um, you know like. For, you know when the wall fidget spinner thing happened we could see it happen in charts yeah. like in, in our office um right before people sort of started talking about it and so on so so that's an interesting aspect of it but um what i find is really amazing is when people really like build completely new brands around something that mm -hmm. needs needs to exist like this um i'm thinking of a company in out of toronto or like called nixware which is a very sort of high-tech but very unique um, women undergarment company that that took like one specific problem that, that that's common and then just c kind of created an entire line of products around it and and they're doing amazing tens of millions of dollars of sales even What's, there. what was the problem they tried to solve um it's well i think i think you would call it leak proof uh underwear all right just recovering every recovering every topic here today and we're taking a quick break now but we'll be right back Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. 
Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, US only. What's really going on is smart brands have figured out yeah. they want to talk directly to their customers. They, they don't want to rent some shelf space on someone else's um, uh, retail location. Mm-hmm. They don't want um, to sell through Amazon um, and then just rent Amazon's audience. Uh-huh. They want to have direct relationship. They want to talk to them directly. And because they want to communicate what they stand for, what they've figured out, what, they, what makes them unique, and um, that's the way retail is moving. So in, so in many ways, you guys are really democratizing retail and commerce. Just as you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to reach an audience just in media, you needed to either own a station or own a printing press or a newspaper, and suddenly social media or even blogs came out, and you could anyone could reach anybody. It seems like this way. You don't need a store. You don't need a factory. All you need is basically an idea and, and a product, and you can you know, hit the world, right? And not and all of this is true. And then what's really important to realize is um, – E-commerce is, so it took about 25 years now. It's about how old it is, right? And um, it is now a $1.9 trillion market. It's big. But over the next couple of years, this is still going to double. It's growing enormously fast. And so it might very well be one of the greatest economic um, opportunities in our lifetime. And what is so important for us is that it's not just Amazon who goes and says, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we are obviously getting really, really big. It's not just, you know, Macy's and so on, but rather that there's room for entrepreneurial activity and that, um, you know, some people can just go and say, hey, I figured out how to make really good women undergarments mm-hmm. and then I can get directly to my consumers and, and, and I find my audience and I do the Kickstarter thing and get people excited mm-hmm. and then create a sustainable business. And, you know, this is, um, uh, this is what we're excited about. Do you see Amazon as a, as a competitor? I would say so, yes. Um, in, um, we, we are working together as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, often you buy something on Amazon and you're actually buying something from a Shopify merchant. We, our software does all this. It's a little bit multifaceted and layered and complicated. But um, suffice to say that um, uh, our worldviews are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon um, uh, thinks products matters, matter and factories matter. And um, they are in the middle between those two things and they're just trying to move products to consumers. And mm-hmm. they do that really, really well. Um, uh, we, we think that uh, the merchants and the entrepreneurs in the middle are exceptionally important. They are the people who come up with a new product. They are driving sort of products forward and so on. And we want to uh, enable them um, because we think that actually works better even for the consumers because of all the new things they do get. So the way it often shakes out is that um, everything people, like consumers, uh, buyers, everything that um, consumers need, they can get on Amazon. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that people really want, they get from Shopify huh. stores. You know, this all started with basically, you know, you with a, a small shop. How many employees do you have now? It's about uh, four and a half thousand now. Four and a half thousand. And you're a public, you went public a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a, a, probably around a $17 billion market cap. How did you grow as a kind of an entrepreneur and a leader from you know a one man show literally to having this having you know shareholders and boards of directors and thousands of employees like what was how did that go, how did that evolve? <laughs> um, I'm like sweating and think, thinking about this right yeah. now. Yeah, um, well, uh, it's been a journey. Um, you know, like I. Like it, it sort of goes back even the earliest decisions I made uh, proof that I never expected this to be very big. Like again, mm-hmm. I used uh, 
a very esoteric internet software that um, they have all the um, documentation was only available in Japanese. So um, <laughs> I clearly never expected to even have coworkers. I had to yeah, teach to. Because you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you know, you're a computer scientist, computer programmer. Like you, were you interested in business? Were you interested in running a company? Or just more of a kind of a just, oh, well, just sell snowboards because it's, it's, it'd be a hobby and some way to make money so I can snowboard. That's how it started. And um, what I found out over the years um, uh, slowly is that um, the reason why I like or gravitated towards computer programming is because it was the best outlet for me to how mm-hmm. to build things. But that actually building things is the things I really, really, really mm-hmm. like. So eventually along the way, I, um, I, I sort of took the CEO mantle of a company and, you know, I, I had to learn um, the language. I had to look up a lot of terms, <laughs> you know, but it's um, the company grew, I would, I should say, relatively slowly for mm-hmm. the first five, six years and that allowed me sort of an on-ramp to get in, like getting from this world into into the world of business. And, you know, I just really like learning. I read a lot of books and I found mm-hmm. found amazing um, mentors and, and then people gave me advice. And most of all, incredible, incredible um, people would join my team mm-hmm. um, who had a lot of patience with me. And so somehow I managed to pull that off. Were there, any, so were there any pieces of, of general advice or even just things you read that you found really valuable as to become you know, a publicly traded CEO? Well, not you yourself, but a CEO of a publicly traded company. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick the, um, the one thing. Like we have a lot of um, Shopify. Like it's funny, when new people join the company, what they, what they tend to say is that Shopify is fairly free of any kind of jargon, but it's very high on metaphors so we tend to um when 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 we figure out um we need to organize in some way we usually try to figure out a metaphor to do to do it so one concept we talk a lot about is is this concept of a trust battery in, inside so you say a, a, a trust battery yeah what is a trust battery so when a team member joins what we say is like hey you you came to in, into this team and uh, that means we have sort of beginnings of a working relationship. Let's call this a battery and say this is 50% charged. Okay. And um, as we are working together, it, through our interactions, it'll slowly, the charge goes up. Now, the interesting thing is, um, if you have a fully charged phone, you don't really think about your battery. Mm-hmm. But, but if, you know, ever your phone is about 20%, you're starting to think a lot about, okay, where can I, when can I plug this in and so on. Oh, when it turns red, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. It's panic time. So, so what we tell everyone um, who comes into, into Shopify is the following. This is a company um, which is not a, a chain of command um, company. We afford people an enormous amount of, of sort of um, possibility and white space. And mm-hmm. then we are okay with some ambiguity. And let's say, hey, you come in, you're going to figure out how to, um, how, to, how to take over this area. And then as, through interactions um, and as this trust better recharges, and we, we talk quite a lot about this, sort of in one-on-ones, it comes up and saying, hey, here's the things you do that really charge your battery, mm-hmm. and here's the things that you do that lead to you losing a little bit of a charge. And eventually, when it, once it gets to 80 90%, we just say, okay, you got this. And mm-hmm. now um, we don't need to verify everything anymore. And uh, we've learned that if you build a company sort of on this fundamental idea of trust um, and give people this path to earn trust of their teammates and, and, and so on, that you can, you can do a lot um, with, uh, with, with a little and you can um, really build the company that moves very fast. 
So I assume like a lot of features and new things of the company have been kind of bubbling up from the from the ground, opposed to like big ideas and plans. Is the people that work there have freedom to be like, hey, I have an idea, I have a feature, we can make this better from kind of, you know from different angles. Absolutely. So it's every, um, it's a very much a groundswell kind of company, mm-hmm. and and um, we talk a lot with our merchants. As I said, this has been from day one, um, and it's 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 still true today, and. Um, so we, we kind of have to just a very clear idea about what the future of retail looks like, um, and then we are building the software to, mm-hmm. to power it. In the in this you know kind of in the tech world, obviously software is you know Silicon Valley is the is is the the main spot, and you got other some blips and well, some big things in Boston and New York. But you know you're up in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and not even you're not even Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. You're in pretty much is it the burbs is it country what what's it's 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 not it's about a million people city capital oh, in, of canada against, okay. but but it's 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 might as well it's completely off the beaten path yeah gotcha. <laughs> i was thinking of like the 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 territory not the city but you're in the city of well, yeah. so you're in the city of ottawa why did you choose that location and what is the advantages and disadvantages of being um away from a lot of the software action yeah it's a fascinating discussion um like the company started there just because that's where I lived um, during this time. My 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 wife was studying in mm-hmm. Ottawa, and um, um, what I uh, found uh, as I was building the company is every time I needed to hire more people uh, for you know whatever Shopify required, I kind of found them there, and I found really really great people there, and so um, you know I had lots of opportunities. I I had. Um, uh, a fantastic venture capitalist give me um, term sheets for investment and they mm-hmm. were conditional on moving a company to Silicon, City, uh, Silicon Valley because especially back then mm-hmm. everyone thought you, could, you couldn't possibly be doing anything interesting in tech unless you are in Silicon Valley and I always thought that was a silly um, mm-hmm. idea and so um, I decided not to do it I decided to stay um, and I did a lot of analysis on, 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 on what made great companies in the past and what I found is that Yes, while Silicon Valley and you know Boston and, and New York produce more very successful companies, mm-hmm. the way it usually happens is what you have to do is you have to become undisputably the, the best place to work for for some geographical region. And I just thought this was much more plausible, um, especially given the resources I had back then, um, to do this in, 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 in Ottawa. And we have offices in Toronto and mm-hmm. Montreal. And it's generally sort of uh, Waterloo as well. So generally, sort of this time zone of Canada. And um, that's what we did. That's what we tried. And it worked really, really well. And um, there are fascinating differences between building a company in a sort of primary location versus a secondary location. For one, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying like what? Yeah, so I think the, um, the core difference is um, how long you get to spend with people. Right? So if we... Um, if we hire someone in Shopify, our expectation is we are probably going to still work together in five years or maybe probably 10 years. That alone completely changes the value dynamic of what we should, mm-hmm. how much we should invest into the people who are joining our teams. And so the, uh, the vast majority of uh, the people we, we hire are not industry experts, are not mm-hmm. people who have you know, been there, done that. Um, but rather people of really high future potential. Our entire hiring system is built around finding people of future high potential. And um, when we, um, because afterwards we, we have a big coaching staff and talent acceleration because mm-hmm. we can say, hey, we think you're going to be really, really good. 
So let's let's get you there much faster. And um, that works for them really well. That works for us very well. It creates a lot of loyalty. And this is, um, I think, how you build deep um, area expertise that you mm -hmm. can then use to build a company like this. Are most of um, your most of the employees are they can are they from Canada? Do you, do you find? about i would say 60 70 percent are canadians mm -hmm. um people are joining us from all over the world now and um uh, you know there's always been a good deal of uh, americans um it's mm -hmm. it's good to get a little bit of american sort of um feistiness yeah. into the company because you know you can get pretty far with canadians but uh, after a while you need some americans too if you want to win a market <laughs> how does that work a little, the americans have a little more edge in general more a little aggressive i think a better sense for what might be possible mm -hmm. is, I think, the way I would describe huh. it. Interesting. Um, is there a kind of an emerging, has there been like an emerging tech scene in Ottawa or is Shopify throwing off its own ecosystem and other people starting things or people moving there or was there always a kind of tradition there? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I don't want to make this for Ottawa podcast, but it, yes. it definitely was, um, there was a lot going on during the .com um, uh, time, Nautil Networks uh, was there and a bunch of others. Um, lots of Blackberries engineering. So as time went on, I, I've, we found lot, lots of pockets of engineers and so on and, and startups. It's now, it's actually all of Canada is thriving in this kind of way. There's an enormous uh, um, um, renaissance of startups, lots and lots of great companies all over the place. So hmm. Canada is doing really well in tech and Shopify is a little bit ahead, probably because our market was bigger and we got started a little bit before most and there'll be lots of, uh, lots of other good companies coming from there. Yeah, what was the, the thought process when you decided to IPO? What was that, um, what kind of led you to be, you know, say, like, hey, we're going to go public, and what was that process like? What was the biggest surprise? Um, biggest surprise? Um, yeah, like, the, the biggest surprise actually was, and this is probably unique to a Canadian company or secondary market company, the biggest surprise was it gave us an incredible amount of self-confidence mm. because building the company, especially remotely, we never, like, we always, sit, we always felt it was better most days. Like, most days we got a slight better, definitely more days when we got worse. Mm. And um, so, so you understand the company is getting better. But do you know, how does this compare to every, anyone? They're not, there's no, you know, there's no World Cup for companies to go to to figure out are you, how, how good are you compared to everyone. It's hard to, hard to, yeah, hard yeah. to find comps if yeah. you're private. Yeah, yeah especially you know, in private companies. Yeah. Um, fund, fundraising you can't use because you never know what the terms are. Yeah. And so um, um, we decided to go public um, partly because um, it, it went actually back to the trust battery. We kind of mm -hmm. figured, hey, we know where the next couple of years of growth comes from. But all our private investors are already 100% charged trusting the company. They, they know exactly how, you know, how, we, how we perform, how we work. Let's um, go public now while we are still small. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of companies which were deciding to do this. And we like, for various reasons, to do the opposite of what everyone else does in the tech industry. And so um, we went out as a pretty small company. Um, uh, we figured... Some portfolio managers would buy Shopify and make make take a bet on us, mm -hmm. and we were pretty certain that they would be well rewarded for that and build a trust battery with public market investors. Um, but yeah, after we um, became public, um, we got one of those uh, check-ins uh, on an absolute scale. Everyone, even our employees, recently suddenly realized this thing we have been working on is not just 
cool for us, but actually this is actually meaningful. Yeah. And I think um, when people, like I think the story of where retail is going wrong is, is sort of misunderstood. I think mm. like there's a lot of, you know, I, I've once read the headline that um, retail isn't just dying, it's like it's under bulldozed or something. Like it's just people getting pretty hard, uh, like dramatic at this point. Well, that's what headlines are for, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, made me click for sure. Um, what uh, what I think is o- is happening is like just sort of average retail is over, yeah. right? Um, a, a retail is moving from, again, from a, a where you service some necessities to a form of entertainment. And the people who are understanding this really, really, really well are doing great. Um, and in some reasonably sad circumstances the incumbents somehow can't come around to 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 these realizations and then that creates tons of opportunity for for people to go in and saying okay well then we we go and do it like bonobos has done fantastic for Mm -hmm. instance and so on it's just um uh, so this is something we'll see over and over there's going to be a lot more of these kind of uh, you know direct to consumer brands which are selling in many channels yeah it's interesting because it's you have a lot of those early direct to consumer brands. Um, actually, previously, um, before you were here, we had got, uh, founders for Casper were here, mm-hmm. and they were saying, you know, now they have nineteen brick and mortar stores. And you have companies like Warby Parker, who I think they have is it sixty or ninety? Like, you know, all these they made their mark saying we're going to be right to you on the internet. And now, as the brand grows, they're building you know real physical stores. It's very interesting. It's kind of like a like a changing of the guards in some way. Right. Exactly. And you know what. They they should be doing this because this is exactly what their customers want. What they shouldn't be doing is go and hire like like do a massive VC raise mm-hmm. and then have tons of engineers and try to build all the software to power this kind of thing because you get all of that out of the box mm-hmm. uh, from us. Do you? It's interesting because you work with so many different entrepreneurs and companies. Is there a um, the Shopify have like an investment arm? Um, do you have an angel arm? Like how does you have the pulse and everything, and I'm sure you see things. Um, are there ways that you're making bets, either personally or as a company? Well, so we we don't, and and the thinking behind it is that we kind of we don't feel like we should be in the business of picking winners um, in, in 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 these markets. So um, we haven't done anything there mm-hmm. so far. But yeah, like you you could run. Like, like if you would do these kind of things, you could run a pretty successful VC of a, of a data VC. Yeah, I bet. What um, give me before we. I mean, I thank thanks for all the time here. What um, give me a couple bold predictions about about e-commerce retail that we're going to see in the next, let's say, five years. I think the the boldest prediction of all is like the success of it is going to be in a like in, in the size of the industry, and this is going to be a forward like it goes from one point nine to four billion. Sorry goes from 1.9 to 4 trillion dollars wow. in, in size in the next couple of years which is just it, it's, it's this is not going to happen again so soon in any kind of different space so it's 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 a great economic uh, economic opportunity mm-hmm. it is available to many 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 more people than almost these opportunities usually are like again we've seen a massive sort of tech startup renaissance um in the last 15 mm-hmm. years um where we talked about you have a laptop, you can go to a coffee shop, you get some other people, you do a tech startup. It's all true, but you kind of had to be able to program computers. Yeah. Like So we, we, made, we made it pretty cheap for people who had very specific skills. Retail 
everyone knows how to do make something better. Mm. Innovation is not something that people do in lab coats, um, talking about eureka moments. It's it's something that people say, hey, I there's something that I would buy uh, if it exists, and it doesn't, so I'm going to make it. Mm. And I think um, that in combination with um, just a customer-focused, exper- experiential retailing, creating experiences around this, pop-up stores all over mm-hmm. the place, flex spaces, and just fantastic software that can allow a business that started two years ago to now sit there and sell across five mm-hmm. different channels, online, offline, on Amazon, you know, on farmer's markets, on mm-hmm. eBay, whatnot, on, on Instagram especially. Um, deal with all these complexities without actually having to you know, do much. It's just clicking a couple of buttons. I mm-hmm. think that's really powerful and it's just going to change things. Speaking of innovation, can we improve upon the cardboard, the cardboard boxes? <laughs> I would love that. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, we need better ways to um, wrap things. We need better things to ship things. And then we need much better ways to deliver things. Um, there you go. Toby, everyone listening, Toby has gave a great market opportunity. So get the, get the brains going. We get a... I spend all week paying my e-commerce bills and I spend all weekend breaking down the cardboard boxes. It's, it's, yeah. it's horrible. That's oh, good. Well, this was great. We touched a lot of points. Um, I want to thank Shopify's founder and CEO, Toby Lucky. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.